Hello friends and welcome to another episode of Dark Side of the Word. My name is Kate and I'm here with my co-host CJ. Hi everybody. And today we're gonna mix things up a little bit, right? Yes, yes. we are. Are you prepared? I'm mostly prepared for this. CJ is looking extremely scared right now. <laughs> I don't like change, everyone. I really don't like change. And this is, and even though this change was a little bit of my idea, I'm still a little scared of it because change. But you go ahead. It's really all your idea. Take take well, responsibility. Well, okay. Okay. I do it to myself. Yes. Okay. Tell everybody about our exciting changes. <laughs> okay. So our podcasts are running long. We also felt that we weren't keeping in touch with our listeners as much as we wanted to. We were going too long between episodes. And so instead of one massively long podcast, we decided to break our sections up into individual episodes with an extra fourth section every month to be determined. Ooh. <laughs> Delight, but I'll accept it. Yes, so <laughs> from now on, you'll be able to find us most Thursdays. I'm going to put that caveat. I had another... Mm. Eight- podcaster put the caveat of most thir- most Mondays for them. It's Thursdays for us. Don't get confused. Don't they confuse came with the caveat. You've just confused them now. <laughs> Thursdays, 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 Thursdays. Thursdays. But I like the caveat of most Thursdays because I have a feeling we're not going to post on Thanksgiving. That's already a problem in the future. But this is the perfect thing to listen to with your friends and family gathered around the Thanksgiving table. I don't know why you would want want to put a new episode up that day. But, you know, it's your podcast. You do what you like. (laughs) It is our podcast, woman. (laughs) (laughs) But, anyways, I'm still caveating most Thursdays in case, you know, we're on tour in some distant future. There you go. go. It's more like it. You know, something. I just... I want to put the caveat, you shall now find us most Thursdays, now every week, instead of just once a month. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, we're you having, will. We're having way too much fun with this. But anyways, just to clarify, <laughs> instead of once a month, we are now switching to weekly episodes. We will still have your favorite, I'm assuming it's your favorite, this is me projecting onto all our listeners, that our lovely book club meeting the last Thursday of the month. So you do not have to worry about that. You will still get the great content of discussing our monthly books. That will always be on the last Thursday of the month still, unless it's Thanksgiving. (laughs) Never know. Don't count us out. But instead of doing our content recap and our writer's update in the same episode, we'll be breaking those out into other weekly episodes. So we hope that you'll follow along and be really excited to hear from us every week now. I'm excited to hear from myself every week. (laughs) (laughs) And because that's the case, this is the first one, you don't have to wait. We're going to get right into talking about this month's book, My Murder, by Katie Williams. That was a fun pause. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) We're giggly. We're tired. We're here. We're showing up. This is what you're getting. (laughs) This is a dose of realism. This is what it's like behind the scenes, on the scenes. This is just what it's like for us today and most days, but definitely today. But we showed up. We did. And you did too, if you're listening. And we're, we're glad of that. We appreciate it. And just remember, showing up is the whole battle. (laughs) Yes, it is indeed. Anyway, so we're going to get right into my murder today. I hope that every, all of our listeners enjoyed it, or at least read it, because from here <laughs> on out, there will be spoilers. 
No holds barred. Lots of spoilers. Lots and lots of spoilers. So if you haven't read the book and you still want to read it before getting spoiled, pause now and come back to this later. Otherwise, you've been warned. I don't think we could talk about this book without spoilers, actually. Like, some of the books, we could kind of get away with it. Like, Cursed Bread, I don't think that would have really mattered if you had actually read it or not and listened to it. But I think this one, you absolutely had to have read it in order to follow this, because you can't talk about it without giving so much away. Yes, because there is a big twist at the end, and I'm giving that away now. (laughs) Well, I guess we'll discuss what we determined is a big twist, but anyways. I would say there's two big twists. Two? Kind of. Okay. Well, this is going to be an interesting conversation. But okay. first, but first, we have to stick to tradition. Yes. Yes. He always waves at the gate anyway, if anyone gets that reference. Anyway. <laughs> oh, my God. That's from Ever After, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. My brain now hurts, but I can see it in my mind's eye. Okay. Yep. Love it. Love but he it. always waves at the gate. And then you have it's the... tradition. The forlorn... Papa! <laughs> I shouldn't laugh about the man collapsing off the carriage and then dying while his family looks on. That's awful, but also dark, which is fitting for our podcast. Good thing we announced spoilers. <laughs> yes, yes. Anywho, we have to start with our ratings so that we can compare them at the end. So what was your rating, CJ? I gave my murder four stars. I really enjoyed this book. And I... You? The one thing that's always spoiled for us, I already know each other's ratings because being on Goodreads, <laughs> it's what happens. But I, too, gave it four stars. Oh, my gosh. Are we in agreement about a book? I don't think this has happened throughout the podcast so far. Well, I feel like we got a little close with How to Sell a Haunted House. We were close. We were close. Yes. And we were kind of close with Cursed Bread with our hatred of it. It was just differing levels. That is true. That is true. Different levels of hatred. However, I do think that even though we gave it four stars, I think we might still have some some arguments. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, I'm excited. I'm excited to hear what you want to argue about. This is still going to be a lively discussion. I'm just going to, you know, say that. <laughs> but I did a lot of talking as usual, so I'm going to let you start. Okay. Um, so I really like this book because I felt that it was a fresh twist on the whole final girls trope that's been going around novels recently. So like, you know, Riley Sager had some novel about a final girl that I did not read about a year or so ago. Grady Hendrix did the final girl support group, which I did read and I absolutely loved. And I think there was one other final girl type book out there somewhere, but I didn't bother picking up because I was kind of over the whole thing. But with this, it's, it's kind of like a final girl trope, but, you know, this girl doesn't actually survive in the beginning. She actually does die, and then she's brought back. So I actually really like that little twist on, not a classic, but a, uh, something that just keeps happening over and over again. Yes. What about you? So, not actually... Rewinding for a second, I did read the Riley Sager Final Girls, and to me, that was his only good book that he's ever written. Oh, okay. I know. Hot take. But it wasn't so much the story that sucked me in, because to be honest, I was actually a little bored of the trope, per usual. But it Mm. was William's writing that I was just fully lost in. For me, I think I struggled with this book more than a lot of people, because I watched Sundance. I want to say it was this year's did I do no I don't think I did Sundance this year it would be last year's Sundance what is Sundance the film festival yes Sundance film festival so I watched a movie last year called Duel and it has Nebula is her name I think 
The girl who plays Nebula in Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. So the girl who plays Guardians of the Galaxy is the lead in this okay. movie called Duel. And it's essentially about this girl who has a terminal illness. And so she clones herself and raises mm. her clone to be able to replace her for her family when she dies. And it turns out, huge twist, shocker, she's not going to die. So now she and her clone are alive okay. and it becomes this like weird ass story and blah, 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 gotcha. blah. But anyway, gotcha. so this idea of like cloning after death I was already very aware of. Like, mm-hmm. I, was, okay. I feel like I've been inundated with it, and so I wasn't really super excited for that trip. Okay, I can see that. I uh, I did get some hints of The Echo Wife by Sarah Gailey with all the cloning aspects. I really love The Echo Wife, and that was kind of, I think, my first foray into the cloning trope in a lot of books these days, and, and I love that one so much. Um, so this was still kind of new to me. I love the whole idea of the the other me that Lou kept mentioning in the beginning and then the other girl brought up, which actually turned out to be such great foreshadowing for the end because there is another her still alive and well. And I liked how that played out at the end. I really did appreciate the concept of the other them. What was it? Fern said, they're my other family. Fern. They're not my family mm-hmm. because I am yeah. now a person. And if you think about the psychology around getting cloned and having to suddenly fill in this life that already exists that, for you without a choice, yeah. and even though you, you've been given all these memories, and all of a sudden, are they really your memories, though, as your yeah. identity? Yeah, was- I thought it was hilarious how, you know, they, Lou was saying that, you know, the commission, you would wake up and the commission would be like, you know, you used to be so-and-so, but now you're this person and you've been cloned. But don't think of yourself as a clone. Think of yourself as the original person. But all these people are kind of new to you, but not really new to you. Like, how do you not think of yourself as a clone? For example, when she goes to that party and everybody's just flocking over to her and asking her questions, she's this, you know, sideshow spectacle at the party because she is a clone. So the whole world sees her as that. How can she not see herself as that, too? If we really want to go down a psychological path of it all is really that, okay, here's this defining moment and you have this new person in these shoes. The road is going to split because who says that the same especially because she's clone that's already putting a new thing into the dynamics of it all. But the choices she's going to make or say like the decisions and the perceptions and relationship of people are going to change. She's going to go on a completely different road that never would have happened with the other lady, which would never have happened because she was killed. So we at least. (laughs) (laughs) That is something. Sorry, go ahead. It's really a psychological like brain fuck. Yeah. One of the questions I had when I first started reading and the book answered it for me, which was really very helpful, was, you know, are these clones, when they're brought back, you know, are they the same as the people before them? Is it, you know, just the DNA that makes you who you are and how you look? Or is it the soul, for example, that makes you who you are? And I liked how, and again, I forget which character is because I cannot remember names today for some reason, but that one character who gave up all her vintage dresses when she came back and she decided to be a vegan and she was the complete opposite of everything she was before. So, you know, does that happen for everybody? And I really liked that they addressed that because that was a huge question in my mind. 100% agree with that. It was very interesting. And I think that's like some of the reason why I was so drawn into the story that was separate from the plot itself is because it was dealing with the psychology. I'm going to repeat again. William's dialogue is some of the top-notch conversations Mm -hmm. in books that I've ever read. It was so natural and had great back and forth. And I was just like, more please. And I think... (laughs) those are the reasons because otherwise it's just okay biggest complaint of this book 
But the way that the book starts, okay, I get there's cloning. All right, there's cloning. But from the beginning of the book, the world is so identical to ours that when you get, I don't remember, a third of the way in, Mm-hmm. like almost a half the way in now we're suddenly throwing in automated cars screens yeah. on the wall days glad and it just is suddenly okay this is a futuristic book what the hell man yeah i was a little surprised at that too but i i like that actually because i like how it grounded us in something that was familiar apart from cloning obviously and then it just kind of took it a little bit into the future so you could see with the way things are now, the world going in this direction very easily in like 10, 20 years time. Again, again, except for the cloning, I don't think we're quite there yet. But with like the VR becoming such a big hit and that game becoming huge because people are awful and want to do all that kind of stuff. And then the glasses being used instead of a phone screen to like look at everything. So I I like that it was still familiar, but a little bit techy and a little bit futuristic. I'm also not a huge sci-fi fan or fantasy fan. So this for me is very, very edgy. Very edgy. I have no problems with the actual technology itself. I think it was really good because, like you said, if we go 20 years in the future, I think this is similar to the world that we would be living in. However, it's like drop it at the beginning. Don't just suddenly have, like, (laughs) the standard human is using VR glasses, not the nerds. So it's like all of a sudden we're in Ready Player One because we exist in an entire world of, like, alter reality Mm. and everyone, even the layman down the street is using it. No, we needed that from the beginning because all of a sudden it's like my brain was split in half where it was like one minute, oh, we have technology, but I can't accept this because my brain is set in a world of my own. And I was so annoyed with it. It's kind of like how you were with Ninth House where it was all of a Mm -hmm. sudden, like, why could you just... That's literally how I felt this book, and I was just screaming, like, why didn't you establish this at the beginning? (laughs) I, uh, I'm looking through the book right now to see if I can find it. Cause I had my moment where I was like, what, what, what's happening is when they were talking about Edward early and his sentencing and what he was sentenced to. And they said something about, they didn't say stasis. It was called something else that he was sentenced to like 80 of those years would be, Oh, benighted or something like that. And I'm like, benighted, what does that mean? So I kept looking up benighted like online and I could not find out what that meant. And it took me a while to realize that that is a term that does not exist in our society. That is a term she made up for the book society. And I do wish I had been a little bit clearer, mostly so I didn't spend like 10 minutes Googling benighted and trying to figure out what the hell it meant. But See, just that- as you said, it would have been helping, helpful in grounding it a little bit more. See, that's one of the great things is that Sorry, wow, great things. I don't mean literally great things. I mean as in great <laughs> points that you are making is that I kind of glossed over that and was just like, oh, mm-hmm. it's some sort of solitary confinement that he's going to be in because he killed so mm-hmm. many people. So I just kind of went on. And then you find out later when the technology aspects of the book start showing up, you find out later what it really is. And then I was just like, Here, here's the problem. Here's the problem. Because here you have, like, right away, Angela is riding the bus. That's so common into our world. And why is she riding the bus if we have automated cars so easily? And I guess money. I'm not, but I'm just saying, like, that was an instance where it was just like, you told me she rode the bus, but now we have, like, people <laughs> don't, it's not normal for people to drive cars. What the hell? <laughs> I like, though, how they later on had that one woman be like oh I really like driving so that's why I'm driving a car and not using an auto car so at least they explained why she was driving a car whereas we're just have to figure out why Angela is using the bus but it's it's probably money which is why she does that whole video game because she needs money 
Yes, great segue. Let's talk about the video game. (laughs) (laughs) I have to admit that part, like, I kind of glossed over. That was probably my least favorite part of the book was the video game. Maybe because I'm not into video games. And the idea, there was just a lot of Angela's around, and I got a little confused about how that all was happening. But it was was interesting. I found the video game to be confusing at times because I don't Mm -hmm. think enough time was spent in the explanation of the situation because it felt... It was a transitioning, so you start out as Angela, and then the whole weird transition to suddenly, like, when does it go to the other people? Like, that part I was really mm-hmm. confused about, even though she kind of touched on it. It wasn't very clear to me. But yeah. overall, I really appreciated the inclusion of the video games, because not only was it an actual representation of the healing arc of these killed women, but it was also a, a view of our society and our the way we look at video games now and the the wanting to do the dark i mean we have a fucking dark podcast i mean our drive <laughs> to the dark and the morbid and how we can't even stop even her babysitter finally like gave into it yeah 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 so definitely. i really appreciate it the metaphor of the video <laughs> game yeah i admit i i glossed over some parts so that's probably why i was a little bit more confused um than i should have been just because i was like okay walking through the park okay she got killed again okay let's just keep let's keep moving on to when we're out of the video game i just wanted to be out of the video game because i wanted to get back to the dynamic between lou and her husband and then trying to figure out who really killed her and working with fern i really liked fern she was nice she was fun she was weird (laughs) (laughs) but she was like a good a good buddy like a ride or die buddy you know i feel like you're really coming down to what i'm most annoyed about with this book it's so short that i think that there was as you complain about all my writing there was just so much more room to like make (laughs) i hear you to to bolster these different parts of the book because it they just were loose ends that weren't tying together completely and it was just like here are some facts but it's not like I fully believe what I was being fed I felt that way about the ending because I'm like this kind of just seems hastily scrabbled together and you know when we were first when when we were first reading the book and Lou is telling somebody I don't know maybe it's just she's narrating to to the reader how about how she was you know grab her pointer was grabbed from behind and she was slashed across the throat and then she you know managed to drag herself two miles away and then collapse there or something like that and I'm like as I was reading that I was like nobody is slashed across the throat and is bleeding out and makes it two miles before they finally die. Like, something is off there. But I'm like, well, whatever. I'm not going to question it. And then later on, it made so much more sense. So I was glad to see that. But the whole running away and jumping in the car and the woman never said anything and hiding out in her dad's house, I don't know. I just wasn't – it wasn't the resolution I was hoping for. I was hoping somebody really killed her, I guess, which is, again, very dark. But that's, that's what I was looking for. To be the disagreeing self that I am, I feel that if you mm-hmm. had just nicked the artery and hadn't actually cut through it, it could be a possibility. So they're slowly mm-hmm. bleeding out instead of the full-on gush. But it's not like true. it's going to stop because it's this artery. That's true. I pictured a full-on gush and a full... So maybe, yeah, maybe she was just nicked. Well, she wasn't anything, so... But still. See, that's the thing about this book, is you have to, like, piecemeal all the information to put together your own conclusion. And it's not... 
There's a difference between making your reader work for an ending because it's smart and intelligent and you've woven things in versus making your reader work because you're not making the connections well. And that was one of the instances because we have like, I don't mind. So the way the book is written is you have like the chapters and then in between each chapter you have like these little inserts. I I am assuming are from past. Lou, thank you. Old Lou. So that's like her thought process because there's this one where she sees the ladies leaving the shoes. It's like copycat shoe people. And I think that was her inspiration to leave the shoes in the road before she made her run for it. But it's just trying to like, oh, how morbid and disgusting is she that to not only like suddenly disappear, but to leave your shoes and your glasses in the road to disappear so that the worst can be thought about by your loving family. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. really? Yeah, I mean, I guess the part that I kind of gave it a pass on was how it's, I guess, a commentary on how women are treated in this world and looked at, especially women like postpartum depression and even prepartum depression. You know, like Olu talks about how I think at one point she wasn't really happy that she was pregnant or going to be having the baby. And then after that, she just didn't warm to the baby and she just didn't feel right being a mother. So, you know, that kind of just messes with your senses. And she... I like that it's an honest take on what somebody would actually want to do. They might just want to disappear and they don't care what ha- what their family thinks happened to them because they just need to disappear. They need, this is why I'm not having children because I don't know if I would want to stay with my baby because babies are really hard work. So I like that realistic representation of a woman who's just like, nope, not the life I signed up for, bailing. I'm not saying it's right or moral or great, but I understand that it is a real feeling that people have. And I did like that aspect of it. You're forgetting adoption's always an option. Like giving your baby up for adoption. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but wow, brain. Okay, rewind brain thoughts. It, it is on. that day. It is that day. I would go with you and, and be able to believe that train of thought. But then why was she still visiting her baby? Excellent point. Regret. I didn't feel like regret when she was explaining. I don't know. That is a good point. But that's where I'm saying that the book needed more oomph to it and more backstory because we were just fed a lot of facts. And even though it was really beautifully written mm-hmm. and we had a lot of the ingredients, uh, the reader wasn't, it wasn't set to be believable. Mm-hmm. Also, like, Fern's whole discovery that there was another Lou. Like, we're just told, like, yeah, I put two and two together and figured it out. Mm, yeah, that was a bit, uh, I wish we had been clued in a little earlier about that. And, and who I'm, is the group of the crime podcaster people? I'm not podcaster people, just the crime people. I forget who led that group. Was it, it was, Lacey? Is that the name I'm thinking yes, of? Lacey, yes, Lacey, yes. Yeah. yeah, and they all put it together too. I could believe that because they had the background to do the research and they were looking, like they were digging, but it's just to have Fern figure it out. But not only that, upend her entire life, give away her apartment, her cat, everything of hers to go and escape with a Lou, Lou, which is essentially a stranger to her and go off. I don't know. That reminds me of the most horrible part of this book, that somebody left their cat left their cat in the care of a stranger, not knowing if this stranger would take proper care of said cat. So it's abandonment and neglect. Mind you, I'm not bothered about her aban- this woman abandoning her baby. I'm upset about abandoning the cat. That is where my moral line is drawn. <laughs> yes, we are animals. <laughs> You're like, I did that. That did not even register for me. Whatever. So she left her cat and named it Lou. Whatevs. <laughs> It wasn't a dog, okay? 
still, still. I just thought I could not leave my my little well-read cat ever, ever, ever would do that. And just Fern did go down in my estimation at that point, I have to say. I feel like if you could have re- like reached into the pages and grabbed that cat. Because I think Fern is actually her second owner, too. So the, the lady was a third owner. Because I'm pretty oh, sure there's something about Fern adopting it from a oh, stray or like well, it got left as well. This poor cat is going to have a complex. Poor thing. Poor thing. <laughs> the name changing, let alone. Yeah, seriously. Identity crisis <laughs> and abandonment issues, definitely. But the house is the same. That's true. So at least it's a, a, a you know, familiar, comforting place exactly. for the cat. So who cares if the human changes? The four walls are the same. Yeah, there you go. Being fed, that's all the cat cares about. <laughs> really? What else do cats really care about, to be honest? Let's, let's, you know, let's be honest That's there. true. That's true. So one thing that I really liked was the fact that Lou and Fern went to go confront their serial killer. I thought that was really... I would want to do that. Like, if I were serial killed or murdered, I think is the actual term, because serial killer is not a word. If I were murdered and I was brought back, I would definitely want to confront my murderer to find out what the hell, just to just to see his face and be like, that was very not nice, sir, and I am really mad at you. And just to find out something about him and his method of madness or whatever. So I like that they went and did that. And I love that he was the one who revealed to Lou that he didn't kill her. I feel like for me, that was like the most impactful that news could have been delivered. If it come from her husband or if she heard it from that Lacey group or even just read it somehow somewhere else, I don't think I would have been, would not have been as shocked about that. Even though I knew part of the plot was, you know, maybe she wasn't murdered in the way she was or something like that. It was kind of hinting toward the husband at some point. Um, I knew that, I didn't know that that was coming from early. So two notes to that that I have to say. One being, thank God it wasn't the husband. Because if they had gone yeah, on that yeah. path, one star, Cliche. This, one star of this book, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I figured it couldn't be. I, my, my bet was on the dad, on Odd. Oh. oh. That's what I was thinking. Just because I'm like, where does he fit into this? Well, now we know. Now we know. Yeah. But I would say that the, the most feeling I got reading this whole book was that scene. Because the, the raw emotional sense that she wrote into the scene of how they would react was spot yeah. on i felt mm-hmm. and then just the very like oh yeah i've killed her i've never seen you before i was just like Wah! yeah chills yeah. And, and so the- matter of fact too and the way that they like he had those empathy drugs mm-hmm. and he's like i can't help crying like the tears are just coming <laughs> i feel things <laughs> when we first found out his that stasis thing for like 80 years and he's like in, in a dream induced state and somebody was mentioning like, oh, what kind of dreams do they give him? Nightmares? And they're like, oh no, it's actually warm hugs and feeling safe. At first I was like, well, that's, that's bullshit. Like he kills somebody and gets to get hugged for 80 years. That's not right. But then I started thinking that that could be the worst punishment of all to like have remorse for what you've done. And it just reminded me, I am totally going to geek out here of when on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Angel was cursed with his soul coming back. And then he felt remorse for all the horrible things he'd done. And he was just so upset. And that was the worst punishment anybody could have ever given him. And I'm like, aha, that is what's going to happen. And we don't know if that actually does happen. But you do start to see with those remorse pills or whatever he's is taking that he is feeling things so i don't think it's going to be a fun 80 years for him in, in his little coma no and it's he gets it 
the hugs for a certain chunk, and then he has to go through learn go through scenarios to see if he like can do the right thing each time. Mm. And it starts. Mm. It keeps building to like something. And I think it's forty years, by the way. Oh, okay. Well, because he can, because he can see his mom. Like, there's an idea that her oh, mom might yeah. still be. Which okay, if we're gonna segue from his mom to like original Lou oh. being the guy that kept visiting her. Yeah, I did not see that coming at all. Totally did not see that coming. I liked it. I liked it. <laughs> well, it gives us, like, it actually makes sense in the psychology of thinking, I want to make sure who I'm getting replaced with, which, okay, rewind thoughts why, here. Why does she why care? Why do you care because you're leaving? Yeah. But also, that's kind of sweet that you still want. I mean, because her husband was kind of a saint, like, honestly. Yeah, he was, he was a really sweet guy, definitely. I, I could, so... I'm probably going to get heat from this, but I could understand why she would want to leave her baby. I'm not sure why she would want to leave her husband. Because like you said, he seemed like a saint, a really great guy. They seem to have a really great relationship. So why why leave both? But I guess you have to leave one if you're going to leave the other. So, I mean, I don't think there's, I mean, okay, yeah, we always, there's people always going to give us hate. But this whole idea that a mother has to suddenly fall in love with this thing that she birthed is also mm-hmm. just unfair. And I think yeah. that there are quite a few mothers that don't admit to it that they struggle with that and that they don't get yeah. the automatic hormonal connection or for whatever reason and they struggle and it's unfair to paint that they are a horrible person because yeah. of it. My but mother don't told run me away. that <laughs> My mother told me that she did not like me for the first three months after I was born. She just openly says it. She's like, I would look at you. And I was like, I'm not so sure this was a good idea. And I'm like, I, I understand that. And no hard feelings, mom, because I would I would probably have that too. And for her, it kicked in. You know, for some other people, it doesn't kick in. And that's that's rough. That's a lot to handle. And I've heard from other mothers that it is, you, there are stages you don't like. And a lot of them, the infant yeah. stage, like they're made to like, society and our culture is made to be like the infant stage this and that and you have to fall in love with it and it's the most beautiful stage and a lot of women don't they loathe that stage and it's not until the baby hits about 15 months or when they start actually switching to the toddler age that anything actually happens and it's okay to hate the infant stage it's fine you're not a bad person (laughs) yeah we just society needs to change all the narrative but look at us i mean look what the book did to us we're talking there was a line There was a line in the book, and I don't know what she was saying, but she was talking about how so-and-so is a man in a world that hated women. And that just completely resonated with me because I've been seeing a lot of things on social media recently about how, you know, we've made so many strides, but we're still a world that seems to hate women. And this book addresses a lot of those things, like how we put all this hate toward women who don't instantly love their babies, who might want an escape. There was that book you know, years and years ago by Henry Ibsen, A Doll's House, where the woman is like this perfect wife and mother and all these things. This takes place in like 1900. And then I forget what happens, but she has some kind of awakening and she just walks out on her husband and her children at the end of the play. And apparently it sent like waves around the the literary community because a, a woman shouldn't do that. A woman's supposed to be the perfect mother, the perfect wife. This is supposed to be the only thing that she lives for. So what, what does it mean if she just wants to leave and it just confounded people? And this actually reminded me a lot of that play in that aspect. I can see that a lot. Mm-hmm. We, I mean, we can go on a diatribe. But like, we can just keep going and going because it's just yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's the whole There's a lot of shit going on. 
woman hating woman and how we as a society are built to always break down other women and that's ingrained in us and the fear and the whole like I think I think personally that we also have some archaic coding from the hunter-gatherers days where you know one man you, know, you have to be the prettiest woman you have to attract the male you you it's like how the lions will fight so there's only one man in a tribe you know one male in a tribe <laughs> But yeah. it's just, I think that there's a part of that too, but I think we can overcome it and let's love each other. <laughs> just love. Just nothing but love. Nothing but love. Speaking of love, I'm going to segue into another aspect before we get too angry at the world <laughs> at large. So Lou's job as a, I think it was called a therapeutic touch counselor, that was interesting. And I was like, who, who is going for this? At first I was like, is this because society has gotten so estranged from other people using VR all the time that they need to get random hugs from people? Then I'm like, well, wait a minute. It's not even an actual hug from a person. There are two VR avatars. Is that the right word? Two avatars hugging each other. So it's still simulated contact. And it's just a very intriguing job that I never saw as existing in the future but I wonder if that could be a thing if people would actually sign up to do that to give it and to receive it what's the what's the point it sounds like my worst nightmare (laughs) yeah I can't imagine going into a room and just being I guess it's it's like regular therapy except there's touch involved but it just seems so, so much more intimate with touch of any kind, just, and if, if you haven't read the book, it's not like weird intimate touch. It's just hugging or like holding or something like that. Like holding hands. Yeah. I I don't know. Every time I had to read that, I literally was just like wanting to retch. I was like, ugh, no. <laughs> Hi, okay, not a skin. fan. No, not a fan. I, I don't do touch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a whole story for that. So <laughs> that would not be that would not be the occupation for you, and you would not you would not have to use the certificate that Edward Early's mother did. No, that was a horrible idea. If you're trying to if you're trying to catch me in a in a scam a scheme whatever, and you want to catch mm-hmm. me, do not give me a certificate for a free hug. <laughs> what about a massage? I love massage. Okay, I would take so, that. So emotional touch is not good, but just. Just good old physical touch is fine. Yeah, I guess. Okay. Okay. Noted. Duly noted. (laughs) (laughs) But I do have to give her another, like, gold star for writing this because I feel so much that that when writers come up with a profession for their supposed character, it's always like, they're a writer, they're a reporter, they're a photographer. Work in publicity. They're a publishing professional. Oh, my God. I'm so tired of it. I know. And this was something way out of the box and so unique that was like, okay. Okay. Yes. Yes. There was another book I read recently, and I cannot remember what it was now that I'm trying to think of it. But it was the same thing, where it was a completely different, unique profession. Oh, I think it was something with bugs. And I hate bugs. But I'm like, at least she's not another publicity person or a marketer. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but they are very overused in a lot of fiction, especially fiction written for women. So, yes, it is nice to see a therapeutic touch counselor that just would not have ever expected that. Yes, Props for originality. I, I know, right? I mean, the world was a little original, so yeah. But mm-hmm. looking, I'm looking through my notes, and so one thing that I'm going to admit that it took me a very long time to realize was why Silas kept calling Lou Wheeze as a nickname. It was not until the end of the book that I realized that her name is Louise. So Wheeze is a nickname for Louise. 
Oh, now I don't feel so bad because you didn't get that either. I'm like, is he making fun of how she breathes? Like, what is this? And they never explained the inside joke. And I'm like, oh, it's not an inside joke. It's just wheeze, the last part of her name. Huh. I just glanced over it. Yeah, it just could bother me. I'm like, why? why is this happening? But now I don't feel so bad because you didn't pick up on it either. No, I did not. Okay. Another example of where the author could have put a little bit more in there to, to you know, call attention for the reader. This book isn't even 300 pages. Like, I picked it up from the bookstore. You keep picking small books, by the way. Complaint. It is on purpose so we can read even more for our listeners. <laughs> but I picked this up and I'm just like, it's not even 300 pages. You can put so much more in here. It needed more. And it's not even, that's not even 300 pages. It's not even a standard hardback size. It is actually whittle. It's like curse bread. It is whittle. Well, something to remember for when we're doing our own writing, isn't it, Kate? Okay. Yes. <laughs> I, she was making a face, listeners, just so you no, know. No, no. Yeah, because I'm saying, point that at yourself. <laughs> I overwrite. I way overwrite, and you know yeah. it. I could win. So, this is, okay, I see your point, yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> this is my size book, okay? Ninth House yeah. is your size book. So remember that. Maybe. I don't. I do not think I could make a two hundred and seventy page book if I tried. I, could I did not do that. It's called praises. <laughs> <laughs> Which that now not happening. Now I look at this book and I look at praises and I'm like, shit. People are gonna say the same thing about my book. I could have put See, more. The, the size. The size didn't matter to me because it's what's within the content of the book that counts. Size does not matter, Kate. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I'm telling her she could have put more into make the relationships and actions more believable, and now I am hearing that about my book. <laughs> okay. Yes. I'm going to say let's wrap this up because I don't want to okay. go and talk about my book anymore. <laughs> we don't want to be introspective or anything like that. So, yes, we can we can wrap this up. Are you going to give me your new final rating? Don't hate me. Oh, you're dropping it. You're dropping it. Three stars. Okay. Okay. I liked, see the, okay, the thing is, I don't think I'd recommend this book to anyone. Hmm. Okay. Okay. And though I really enjoyed reading it, because the writing was amazing, the plot wasn't the reason I kept writing, reading it. The characters weren't that great. They're, the side characters I felt had more than the main character, which, eh, I'm not a big fan of that always happening. <laughs> and I, it just, it, it needed more. I don't regret reading it, but it needed more. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. I am actually going to bump down my four-star rating slightly to a 3.5. I would recommend this to people because I think it is different as a concept, at least to me. And if anybody who reads mostly like women's fiction and foodie fiction like me, this is definitely, you know, out of the norm for me and for people like me. Um, I did like the writing a lot. I liked the use of language. I liked all her, her verbs and adjectives that she used. Everything was so harsh and dark and, you know, guttural. And it was really, it really helped evoke the mood of such a dark book. And I love that about it. So I would recommend it, but I would bring it down to three and a half stars for all the reasons that we mentioned of needing a bit more information, needing to have a little bit more explanation and backstory about certain things. I, yes, agreed on all of it. I'm just a little harsher than you, I would guess. But I, I feel like this is the first book I've actually enjoyed reading in quite a while, so I'm happy oh. with that. Oh, not just in the podcast, but quite a while. Oh, no, for the podcast. For the podcast. Okay. Sorry. Because, like, Ninth House, 
Curse bread was not great. Size was not great. So this is finally a bit of a winner. So I'm I'm happy. Well, you are actually the person who picked our next book. Oh. So what did know, I pick? You can only blame yourself. You can only blame yourself with my murder too if you hated it. But it's true. <laughs> All right. So readers, if you are excited to join us next month for next month book club pick, we will be reading Strange Sally Diamond by Liz Nugent. Oh, I'm excited. I didn't think that was coming up yet. All right. Yes. All yes. right. And I think I said the last name, right? Nugent? Nugent? Yes, I believe so. Yeah. I read this author's, one of her first books, and I loved it. She was an amazing writer. I think it was Lying in Wait, and it was a, yep. a twisty thriller, and so good. The ending just blew me away. The writing was amazing. So I, and that was a couple of years ago, so I am very excited to see how she has evolved as a writer, and she's just blowing up the charts in Ireland. She's an Irish writer. So I think it's going to be good. I have very high expectations for this one. It is getting great reviews on Goodreads right now, and people are calling it dark, and that's, like, the biggest thing. Is I want to make yes. sure we stay on the dark train because I dark, don't get worried. Dark. I would only suggest dark books, too. I have not suggested any rom-coms or light, fluffy <laughs> things about bunnies. Only dark things. Well, I already screwed up the list with our November pick, but our listeners will have to wait till November to know what that is. Ha. Okay. Just look at your list. (laughs) (laughs) But listeners, listeners, tell us what you think in the comments. Let us know if you agree with our reviews, if you have anything that we missed. If you just want to vent because you liked or disliked this book, whatever your reasoning, let us know and we can start up a conversation beyond this. Yes. And with that note, everyone, make sure. <laughs> I, really, wait, I realize that sounded sarcastic, but I actually meant it. Yes, okay. please let us know. Okay. And okay. again, make sure you rate, review, and follow us on whatever platform you listen on. It's like tipping your waiter, and it really helps us. And we hope to hear, have you all listened to our weekly podcast? I don't know. We'll, we'll work out this ending. See you next time. <laughs> we'll see you next week for another episode of Dark Side of the Word. Bye, friends. Bye.